you touched on a really good point when you said you're writing your book and it can't write it for you because it doesn't know you. Same thing with AI. It can only write what it knows already. And I would say the common misconception is that you think AI knows everything. It doesn't. You can't rely on the accuracy of the content, right? So you really need to fact check that information, you really need to review it to make sure that it's accurate to what you're trying to convey. So that's definitely number one pitfall. That's where I think the future of AI is going to be where we are able to train it ourselves, we can provide the AI platform with the data that we have, so that it can use it to analyze at a quicker processing level, analyze surveys, analyze data points like registration or revenue, and give us back the information that we're looking for. So I think that's where the future is. I mean, we're almost there. Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks, and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by Tree Fan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trafan, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production. Welcome back, dear friends, to another exciting episode of the Events Demystify podcast, your one-stop shop for technical, practical planning advice for anyone in the events industry. This podcast is brought to you by Trifan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency, and I am your host, Anka Platon Trifan. In today's episode, we will be diving deep into the fascinating topic of AI's impact on the attendee event experience. We'll also touch on building community-driven experience while also shedding light on the agency perspective when it comes to running a seamless show. So get ready to gain some invaluable knowledge from our industry expert. And so today with me on the show, I have Huang Nguyen, founder and CEO of Shiloh Events. She is an expert in events and marketing with over 15 years of expertise. Huang brings a wealth of experience as the head of this full service agency. She spearheads the management of large scale corporate events for renowned companies such such as Zoom, Microsoft, Samsung, and Philips. Huang leads a dedicated team of event professionals who are committed to delivering captivating experiences that have a lasting impact on brands across the globe. Prior to this, fun fact, Huang managed communications for NASA and organized community events at ServiceNow. You can learn more about Huang by following the links in the episode notes. But in the meantime, let's welcome our guest in. Welcome to the show, Hong. Did I mess up the name of the agency? I should have asked you. <laughs> no, you did perfect. It was correct. Shiloh Events is our name of the agency. So good job. It really, really good. Since we're talking about it, I'm curious how you came up with the name. But before you even get into that, would you care to share with our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got started in the events industry, how you got uh, the agency started, any of those little details that put Shiloh events on the map, especially when it comes to our audience? Absolutely. So 
first of all, your intro was great. I think it encompasses everything about me in a nutshell. A little bit of a background on my personal story is that I immigrated to America at the age of seven from Vietnam. And when I got here, one of the struggles that I had was learning English and getting acclimated to the culture and being able to connect with the world around me. Because as a young child, I didn't really know how to navigate something. It's so new as a new country, right? One of the things that helped me connect with America's culture was watching shows like the MTV Movie Awards or the Grammys and the Emmys. And I was a latchkey kid. My parents worked all the time and I stayed home by myself. And one of the ways I kept myself company was watching those shows. And in doing so, it generated a passion for events. I was looking at the production, the lighting, the people showing up, all of the decor, and it just got me questioning, what was it like producing those shows? What was the behind the scenes, the decisions that were being made, some of the program development? And since when I was a little child, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go into events. And that's where my passion for events started. Then, you know, when I got to high school and college, I was always planning those community events for the student body. And then right out of college, I got a job at NASA doing events for NASA. And then I transitioned to service now. And then at some point, I thought to myself, you know, in 2013, I was very, very young. I said to myself, I want to make an impact in the industry. I've been doing events for, you know, since I was in high school and and all the way through college and then up into several years past my high school grad. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to really make a splash and deliver peace to a stressful industry because event planning is a very stressful job. You know, it's right up there with firefighter and being a police and first responder and very chaotic. It involves a lot of human organization and project planning and strategic thinking. And I thought, With the passion that I have, if I were going to live an impactful life because my parents risked their life to get me to America, I didn't want to live a mediocre life. I really wanted to take advantage of the opportunities that was given to me by the sacrifice of my parents. So I said, okay, what am I going to do that's going to really make an impact? And that would be bringing peace to a stressful industry. And that's where the name Shiloh came from because Shiloh is a Hebrew word for peace. And so I thought, you know what, let me call this agency Shiloh Events because we want to be a place of peace for our clients. When our clients come to us, they want us to be an extension of their team. They have burdens that they want to offload and delegate. And so when they offload those onto our shoulders, the goal is to give in exchange peace to them that they can trust us that we can take care of their program and it's going to be successful and the best program that they've ever had so that's our goal as an agency is to provide full service consultation management logistics execution marketing in a way that generates peace and calmness for our clients I love that a few things from what you said first off I I love the fact that you're an immigrant just like me and we both came from a pretty hard life you know although to be honest I came after I was in college right after college so uh, the cultural you know shock was definitely quite (laughs) strong because I was an adult you know and I was the only one that just moved here on my own but another thing that I picked up on was you know most people that watch tv shows and most kids growing up with that they want to be the talent they don't want to be the behind the scenes (laughs) right so I thought that was quite interesting that you were more interested to know what was happening behind the scenes versus being the talent being the person on stage right and that takes a special person because not a lot of people want to do all this work 
that's in most cases invisible and right. a lot of times not appreciated or thanked enough, right? That's something that you got drawn towards from such an early age. So that's exciting. And I love organization. Yeah, Sh- Shiloh, the agency. Shiloh, mm-hmm. I knew, I sort of knew that that's Hebrew, but I was like, I don't yeah. know. That's exactly what, where it's coming from. So I'm glad that you actually shone a little bit of light on that. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, in this episode, we're going to be diving a little bit into the AI's impact on the attendee event experience. And I know you have a lot of experience with attendee management, attendee uh, experience itself, just from the little introduction that I did earlier. And before I guess we do that, let's kick off with a conversation, I guess a fundamental question that sets the stage for elevating every event's professional mm-hmm. thinking. And that is from many event professionals, I feel like it's easy to get caught up in the tactical aspect of organizing an event, but strategic thinking is what truly sets apart most exceptional events that I know of, that I've been part of, that I was fortunate enough to work on. Could you share some insights on how event professionals can elevate their thinking from tactical to strategic? What approaches or mindsets, shifts can they adopt to create more meaningful and successful events? Absolutely. So as planners, like you said, we get bogged down in the details, right? We are very checklist oriented. We want to write down everything that we need to do and get it done. And, you know, all the way from the level of a coordinator to a senior event manager or a marketer, we think we got to get this program done. And then we need to move forward to the post-event data analysis. It's hard to take a step back and realize why you're really doing it, right? Why are you spending $1.5 million to $2 million or maybe even less than that to produce this one-time program? And what are the goals? So in order to elevate from tactical to strategic, we just need to remind ourselves of the why, of the goal and the vision that you have in doing so, right? Because if you forget the goals and you forget the objectives of the program, when you make decisions, it's not going to align with those goals and you're not going to have a successful program. And sure, your attendees may have a good time, that you may have positive feedback, but really, how is it going to yield a positive business outcome for that overall event? Because events, the goal is to generate revenue for the business, right? The event is a business in of itself. When you're investing that much money, you want to be able to have a return on investment that is even more so than what you spent. So the goal is to make money overall at the end of the day, but also to connect with the audience and to build community and have, you know, lasting relationship and memorable experiences. You got to remind yourself of the goal. When you're going through, for an example, selecting the right event tech, if you know that your goal is having diversity or equity inclusion, then you're going to select the right event tech that's going to help you meet those goals. If your goal is to generate networking and community, then you need to select event tech that's like matchmaking software that's going to elevate that whole entire experience. Again, I think the one thing is goal. The second thing is passion. Having a passion for what you're doing is really going to drive that strategic thinking because then you are looking at the program from an ownership perspective versus an execution perspective. You answer yourself, this is my program. I want to make this better because I have a passion to see this in a way that would create a meaningful impact for the people that are coming to my event and to yield revenue. So when you have ownership, you don't think tactical anymore. You want to make it better, right? You always want to look for improvement. So having those two things, a goal and a passion on a high level can really elevate your thinking from tactical to strategic. 
I love that. Excellent insights on how event professionals can elevate their thinking and passion. I mean, you can't argue with passion. <laughs> Whenever you see someone talk passionately about something, and we were just talking prior to recording about some of the things that we're passionate about, you can tell how, you know, your face lights on fire, like your eyes like sparkle as you're talking like you really care, like you're really putting a lot of yourself into whatever that might be. So that's excellent. Now let's shift gears and zoom in on the collaboration between agencies and event organizers. I have an agency myself. I know how much work it takes, but I also know the benefits and also the challenges. We both know that a seamless show requires a strong partnership between all of the stakeholders involved. Let's explore the dynamic relationship then of what does it take when it comes to agencies and organizers to create truly remarkable experiences through the power of collaboration. And I'm a big fan of collaboration over competition when it comes to the combined efforts that it requires. So with your extensive expertise as a CEO with your in the event industry, with your agency, but also prior to that working in other capacities, could you let us know from your point of view how agencies can work seamlessly with event organizers to deliver exceptional experiences? And because I'm a two-part question person, okay, I always have a two like two questions back to back. So the part two of this one question is, what are some key insights that you can share about running a seamless show based on your vast experience as a CEO in the event industry? So first is like the part of the collaboration, what does it take? And then the second part is like, what are the key insights from doing so many, running so many, executing so many shows? Yes. When clients hire us, there is a, an element of trust that they have imparted into us. We're an extension of their team. What that means is when we come into an organization as a third party, we are part of their team knowing what their business is all about. We know them, we know their language, we know their mission, we know their key messaging. We become who they are. So that's number one. It's being attuned to who you're working with. You attune and you align so that we become a trusted partner. Once you have that trust, then what we need to do is understand what their goals and their missions are and come up with solutions to their problems before they even think about it. For an example, one of our clients is like, I have to create this program in about six months and it's a brand new program. How do I go about executing it? We say, you know what? Here is a flow, a template of what you need. And let me just take the first step at creating this agenda for you. Let me take that first crack at creating a speaker template or a budget. That's what I normally do in every program that I work on. Is I start on two things, a program plan and a budget. Once I start with that, the client goes, oh, you've already charted a path for me. I can see how I can take my program from A to Z. And even if it's not perfect, right, even if it's not exactly to what they're looking for, it still generates this vision in their mind that I've been there before, our agency has been there before, and they can see a path forward. So that's the second thing is taking a first step at creating a pathway to making their vision come to reality. Another thing to collaboration is thinking on behalf of our clients. A lot of times our clients also have full-time jobs, right? They were hired to be event marketers. They were hired to do promotion and communication. And then events just happen to fall on their lap. And so when they hire us, they want us to take charge of that side. And so we, we want to think for them. We don't come to the table with 
questions without solutions. We come to the table with questions, challenges, and solutions that we think would be best. And then we present those information with data to help them make an informed decision. So our goal is to guide them in the decision-making, not so much in the curating and the researching part. Like we do the research, we know the trends, we know the pitfalls, we know all of the expenditures and the investment level. We just need to be able to communicate that in a way where it's trusted, where they can see a path forward and they understand the data that we're putting in front of them to make that decision. So at the end of the day, we are the pillars to their job, right? We are the pillars to them being able to see their vision to reality. And insights that I have in executing a program is a lot of it has to do with communication, setting expectation, and very, very thorough project plan put together. Because if you don't have this, the basic of a project timeline, of a budget, of meeting recaps and action items and communications, everything fall through the crack, right? I mean, I've had experiences where, you know, for one example, a client sends an email and if we don't capture the little nuances of notes that they send in their email, we miss it. And then on site, they're like, wait, I told you I wanted my stage to look like this, or I wanted a speaker to appear at this time. And you're like, oh, I saw that email, but I didn't really, you know, take the next thousand email exchanges that have happened. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, this is one small example, right? But those are the details that you really need to make sure you're paying attention to. And in order to do that, you have to have the structure of project management so that you can handle these types of details that have come through. So our structure is we use technology like Smartsheet to create agenda, rehearsal show flow, content management. We use tech like Session Board for speaker management. We use Google Drive. We use JotForm to intake some of the attendee surveys. So there's a lot of tech tools that are out there that you can leverage in your everyday planning process. You don't have to do things manually anymore. Yeah, absolutely. As you know, we have said earlier, having the type of technology technologies that can elevate and support your event is these days they play such a crucial role shaping the event format but also the overall attendee experience at the end of the day so now that we started going down this path let's dive deeper then into the fascinating world of event tech and its integration with ai the lately ai right so how can event professionals event planners determine then the right tech stack the right tech solutions for their events because there's so many options available and I'm pretty sure you have gone through COVID and post-COVID and all the event platforms yourself and you have navigated all of that like all of us right so how do they part of this strategic planning right how should they look at those options and just choose the ones that make sense for their event so that they make sure the event is seamless engaging and it works yeah Absolutely. So when I started Shiloh Events in 2013, there wasn't a lot of event tech out there for us. I think you know this, Anka, I've been in being in the industry for so long, right? I mean, at the time, there was what two major event tech like eTouches and Cvent. And yeah, <laughs> like there was you know, it was definitely not the options that we no. have now. <laughs> yeah, then fast forward 10 years later, you have more than 800 event tech that's out there right now. And each one of these event tech is incorporating AI in some way, shape or form in their functionalities, right? And so how do you go from 800 to yeah. three to, two to one platform that is the right solution for you. And one of the things that I guide my client is there's four consideration factors when you're looking at 
event tech. But before I even mention that, I just want to go back and say, you got to know your program goals. You have to know your vision. You have to know why you're doing this event. Who is it for? What is the purpose of it? What is the entire experience going to be like? Once you have those elements, then you can align those goals with the right event tech. And then the four consideration factors are the functionalities. Exactly what do you want the event tech to do for you? You know, there's a lot of AI tech that can help with networking, that can help with transcribing and translation, that can help with, you know, program development. What are the functionalities that you're looking for? You got to write all those functionalities out. Second thing is ease of use. You got to take a look at the event tech that's going to be easily adoptable because there's a huge learning curve when you're trying to implement a new tech. Like your brain, especially if you're not tech savvy already, like it's going to be really difficult. You know, I mean, I've been guilty of downloading a bunch of Instagram apps thinking that I can like use it to make videos and images. And then by the time that I use it, it's only like, I don't, you know, it's it's a lot to... (laughs) You go back to the one that you use all the time. (laughs) Exactly. You want to revert back to what you're comfortable with, right? So you got to, yeah. So it takes time to understand the ease of use of this platform. And then the third thing is cost. Is it going to fit within your budget? And you have to fight for that budget. And, you know, a lot of times our clients, even now, they don't have the budget for event tech. You know, as we move forward into the realm of AI and like bettering our And that's why Zoom, it's still the platform of choice for so many events. (laughs) Yeah, because it's cheap, right? Yeah. So you got to fight for that budget if you want to elevate the entire experience and elevating experience it's going to go hand in hand with cost increase so cost and then lastly is scalability is this tech going to be able to scale with you as you grow your program a lot of times we want to pick tech that's cheap. But to be honest with you, tech that's cheap is their startups. They are very basic. They have basic functionalities and they don't have, you know, the complex things that you need for a large program. So if you're going from a small program, you're just starting it and you want to scale it, you got to talk to your tech. Can they grow with you? Can they develop functionalities that are going to meet your needs in the future? I had one client, it was a new program. We contracted a very simple tech and it had simple registration functionality, simple reporting. But towards the end of her program, she wanted to see what the revenue was like in comparison with event attendee type, how many people are staying in hotels. And unfortunately, the software didn't have the functionality yeah. to do that. So guess what? We had to do it for her. All the manual work, it was countless hours, but we did it for her because we cared for her and, and the success of her program. But that was a lesson learned for her. I mean, she chose the tech before hiring us. Yeah. So now the second year that we worked with her, she's like, I want you guys to select my tech for me. So we started with, okay, well, first, what are your functionalities? What do you need yeah. to do? And then we went out and sourced it and then gave her three software to, to choose from. And now she's yeah. really happy with that program. And I don't mind, you know, growing, like you said, scaling with, say, software platform that has the capacity to grow with you. But you're right. It's hard to tell from the get-go if maybe one of the tell signs is how comfortable they are with all these changes that are happening just in the planning, pre-event planning process and the communication. How easy is to communicate with not just salesperson of the certain whatever platform you're working with, but the software engineers behind it and all the programs programming engineers because it takes more than just one person to say oh yeah yeah we can do this for you but then when it comes to the implementation the software engineers on this side is like we can't do that we don't have the ability or the capacity to actually build what you're asking for so growing with whatever platform you're choosing is obviously important it has happened over covid i've seen it like even with swap card from the beginning when i first started streaming and swap card it was beginning of 2020 and they had so many bugs and so many issues and streaming was not easy right but 
but they grew with the customers. They yes. grew with the clients. They made all those changes right. and they learned from their mistakes and they constantly improved the platform, right? So yeah. whoever was able to have that type of engineering support to do that, they were successful. Now, was it an easy growth? No, it was painful. Right. <laughs> it was painful for us. It was painful yeah. for the user. It was painful for the behind the scenes. It was hard work, but you're yeah. right. It's important to know who are you choosing and why are you choosing it and having clear functionality. That's why I love, there's a few options out there when it comes to choosing, making the comparisons between, and I actually recorded an episode just this year about mm-hmm. different platforms that do that for you. Like you don't have to go and compare anymore a thousand different softwares. You ah. can just pick one platform that will do that comparison based on the functionality that you need. And yeah. then it's going to literally spit out three options. Yeah. Now it's much easier to choose from. It's like, again, going back to that analogy of being an immigrant from Romania, like coming from like a, you know, third world country, really. When I came to US, the hardest part was the choices. Yes. Like going into a Walmart to this day overwhelms me. Going into an H&M overwhelms me. Like there's way too much. Give me three options, five and max. I can choose from that. The moment you throw everything at me, I'm like, I am so out of here. I'm done. I don't want to deal with this. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's where AI can really help us beyond the content creation, beyond what we already have seen, right? The curating of information. AI can really help us make decisions. Like you said wouldn't it be amazing narrow it down yeah if we can input into ai here's what i'm looking for in a platform and this is my budget and then ai outputs to us five to ten selection or venue sourcing for an example there's so many different venues manually that we're sourcing for our clients we have to email these hotels we have to read the capacity charts we have to wait for the response wait for the response (laughs) It would be amazing if we can incorporate AI into venue sourcing. And I think that's where the future is with AI, you know, beyond what you're already seeing right now with ChatGPT. It's the ability to input what we need, give it the information that needs to analyze and then output exactly the accurate result. I love that. So in the context of live streaming, because it's something that we were talking about just during our interview before the podcast, how have you used maybe AI technology to add value and take this 10 experience to new heights? Can you speak to that? Yeah. So AI for our agency, we have used it in three ways. So we've used it to ideate and create content. We've used it to develop a program and then the overall planning process and to break that down. So first is the curating the content creation. So, and the ideate, it's all about the prompt engineering, right? You have to really put into chat GBT or whatever you use Jasper writer.ai. So for an example, we are working with a client and building a new program. It's an inaugural program. They've never done it before. They don't even have a a title for that program. They don't even have a logo or description. So, you know, our client said, okay, build me a program with a budget for 250 people event. So what we did is we wrote a prompt and we say, you know, we have a client in this industry. This is the product that they want to promote. This is the region that we want to go in. These are the demographics. Give me five to 10 event titles to consider. Give me five to 10 description. We read that, but we don't just copy and paste it to our client. No, 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 no. Because our client can do that themselves. We take a look at it from a human perspective that AI doesn't have, right? They don't have a human voice. I mean, sure, it can create words that sound beautiful together. And you're like, oh, that's actually really great written. But it doesn't really resonate if we don't put our human filter on it. So you have to review it. I mean, you see a lot of AI generated content on LinkedIn and you can tell right away. Yes. 
somebody wrote this because this doesn't sound what a human would say. The moment I see more over and in conclusion, I'm like, okay, somebody didn't know. <laughs> exactly. There's certain words that in the human language when you speak it, it doesn't, it's not, it's just not right. I mean, maybe if you lived in the 1800s, you, <laughs> you know? So yeah, so we have to add a human filter to it. So that's how we curate and ideate content for our client to elevate the entire planning process too. And then, you know, with the attendee experience, for an example, you know, a lot of our clients are utilizing AI to generate agenda that really outputs content and sessions that speak to the attendees' desires and what they're looking for. So we input models or data models that says, hey, in the past, we did this topic and it was rated this much. What are some recommendations for future topics? And then it'll come out with five to 10 that we would consider. And then we use that to basically create the agenda. So overall, that's how we do the program development. We I love the two things that I picked up on. One is specific prompts. You can't just like, you know, give me general something, something. It's not going to work. It's going to be most likely, you know, trash. That's the reality. And then secondly, the human touch. So important to put that extra layer overlay on top of whatever the search results are to really dive into whatever the output was of that search after you put it and made it specific and use those prompts smartly and then take it from there. Like when I generate content because also I'm a content generator and I constantly have to come up with new ideas right and sometimes I'm just dry out of ideas because I'm tired and I'm human and I'm on very little sleep so I just need the spark idea to start with the sparking idea and then I take it from there you know and then from there I can just elaborate on this pose like sometimes actually I need to figure out a way and chat GPT to make it shorter and more concise because I can write for days (laughs) it's like Okay, woman, stop writing a thousand words. Like you need to write shorter yeah. content. Yeah, so, you know what? Yeah, you're totally it really right. Helps. Totally. And you know, I'll admit it. When AI came out, when it was available for anyone to use, I felt really uncertain about it and the impact that it would have on society, for industries, on jobs, and lastly, the ability to learn for ourselves. Because yes. you know, AI can output this content. But I didn't write it. I didn't think of the words myself because prior to AI, when I was in college, I wrote my own essays. I had to generate my own sentence. Yes. I had to sit there and think, okay, here's the concept that I want to convey. And I have to put those words together myself. And a lot of times I faced writer's block, you know, and then I procrastinated and I'm like, oh, I don't really know how to write this. And it took me forever to actually come up with the very first intro paragraph. With AI, I'm not leaning on it to write content. For me, I'm leaning on it to generate ideas, to get the flow of my thinking going. So, you know, so then once we have that, I go, okay, that's a great way to take it. But let me put my own spin on it. Exactly. And in our industry, if you think about it, there's specific words and language that AI does not yet have enough information to relate in a way that we insiders would know that that's Mm -hmm. true and tested versus like I remember, you know, I was hiring some help from remote work from different parts of the country, different parts of the world. And I could not train them to talk like we talk, like Americans talk. And it was frustrating because it sounded like somebody from a different country translated Mm -hmm. that one sentence and into English and it sounded as such, right? So it's like, okay, first off, we have to start with how we speak. It has to be 
be written like that because otherwise it sounds like fake it doesn't yeah. sound like me it doesn't sound like you it sounds like where did it come from like dear madam and sir please don't <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but then as ai became more accessible ChatGPT came on the map i realized how fast i can train it to sound like me that was a revelation that oh, to me it was like oh my gosh this actually saves me so much time in processes in just mm. starting that one idea then i can flash out and do add to it and from yeah. my own experience from my own words but let me going back to what you said about writer's block I'm in the middle of that right yeah. now as I'm writing this book and let me tell you I cannot rely on chat GPT to write it for me because no, it's a book that I'm writing from my experience from my life it's, yeah. so it's like how am I gonna like okay it doesn't help and it's so it's just as painful with AI or without AI just to put words on paper when yeah. it's something that it's like I'm like it's almost like a memoir like it doesn't know me. I need to put those words on paper because it's yeah. my life, my journey that I've lived. So as much as I would like to rely on AI to help me with it, it mm-hmm. ain't working. And I yeah. have to be true to myself that this has to be my own work. As hard as it is, as much as I want to procrastinate, as much as I'm like, oh gosh, if I write just one paragraph, that's enough. Because mm-hmm. it gets you started, right? But right. it's like going to the gym sometimes. Like if you don't have your shoes straight up, like the first thing you see in the morning, instead of your coffee you're never gonna make it like you have to make it easy to get where you need to go so with all of that being said i'm curious what are some common misconceptions then with ai that you would like to address that you've encountered that maybe even professionals would require a better understanding of the realities of ai and harness its potential to create exceptional experiences for their attendees but in a way that it doesn't take away from that experience right I think you touched on a really good point when you said you're writing your book and it can't write it for you because it doesn't know you. Same thing with AI. It can only write what it knows already. And I would say the common misconception is that you think AI knows everything. It doesn't. You can't rely on the accuracy of the content, right? So, you know, right now, I think some GPT versions are on 2021's data or 2022. So you really need to fact check that information, you really need to review it to make sure that it's accurate to what you're trying to convey. So that's definitely number one pitfall. Well, like you just, just to piggyback on that really quick for anyone that is curious, like when you talk about ChatGPT, the GPT part of ChatGPT stands for generative pre-trained transformer, sounds very transformer-ish, but actually it just means that it has to be pre-trained as a model. Correct. Correct. And that's where I think the future of AI is going to be, where we are able to train it ourselves. We can provide the AI platform with the data that we have so that it can use it to analyze at a quicker processing level, analyze surveys, analyze data points like registration or revenue, and give us back the information that we're looking for. So I think that's where the future is. I mean, we're almost there. And then the second thing about the misconception is that AI is the ultimate problem solver. It's not. I mean, you can put in a problem and say, hey, I'm facing this. Give me some solutions. And it'll give you generic ones, but it's not tried. Yeah. yeah. You really need to be careful with taking the solutions that are given to you as like the end all be all answer. So it's not the ultimate problem solver. It's an area where you can pick its brain. And I see it as a motivator for your own brain to be activated. 
to come up with your own ideas, with your own solutions. And it's yeah. more of a, an activator. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, especially from AV production point of view, if I were to go to ChatGPT right now, even in the pro version, and ask it to give me some type of an outline for a blog that's technical, like, I laugh at the result. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, what? No. What like, no. Like, this is not real life, real world. Like, what is happening? Yeah. And then I have to go and write it myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, this is trash. Exactly. Well, before we move on to our next question, I would like to take a short moment to thank our sponsor for making this episode possible. And we will be right back after this short break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to trifunevents.com. Okay, welcome back. If you're joining us, we have the incredible Hong Nguyen, founder and CEO of Shiloh Events, an expert with over 15 years of experience in events and marketing. And today's we're exploring the fascinating topic of AI's impact on the attendee event experience and much, much more than that. Now, Hong, building community-driven experiences is a key aspect of successful events, as we both know. Could you share some of your insights on creating those community-driven experiences and if we want to throw some AI meaningful support connections to that, I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So when I hear the word community, I just hear a group of people with common interests and wanting to reach common goals, right? And you can have that on a large scale or a smaller scale. What I've seen is really effective in the trend that our clients are going forward now is having a smaller community because the goal now with our attendees is that they want more elevated connectiveness. Like they want to really make use of their travel time. Post-pandemic, not a lot of people want to travel anymore, right? They're so comfortable staying at home. So we're seeing in the industry this trend of people not really wanting to make that trip. And so there's uncertainty that when you do an event, how many people are going to really turn up? And even if this is purchased or free, especially with free events, are they going to really make that investment to come? So you're committed to a venue, you're committed to your vendors, you're committed to the promotion, but are you really going to reach those attendee goals? So because of that, this trend of uncertainty in terms of turnout, our clients are moving from doing large programs to smaller programs. Just recently, I had two clients that came to me and they're like, hey, I have a budget of $2 million to do this 
this large user conference. We built an entire program for them with budget and hotel options and region options. And all of a sudden, three weeks later, they go, you know what? We're realizing we're going to make a better impact, bigger impact if we do the events three times smaller in three different locations that would yield a much more intimate, targeted connection and be able to create meaningful relationships with these attendees that will ultimately yield from attendees to customers. Because at the end of the day, you want them to buy your product, right? You want to drive the top of the funnel all the way down to being a loyal customer. In order to do that, you need to create relationship. And so to build this community, they're realizing that instead of doing larger conference, let's focus that same amount of money, creating more impactful experiences on site, unique networking, one-on-one, utilizing AI. And I can talk about that in a minute, how you can do that. And these excursions offsite and really build relationships. Yeah, so that's kind of the trend. Then with AI, you can incorporate meaningful networking. So here's an example. I went to a conference. It wasn't even that big, like 200 people. I downloaded the app, right? And this was very recent in Vegas. The attendees' names were in alphabetical order. And I'm, as a CEO, I want to network with people and like build a relationship. But I'm not going to be able to read 200 people's profiles, their titles, and their company and study their company in order to know if they're the right one for me. Like, I just don't have time for that. me, you know, with the last name that starts with T, I'm always one of the last ones at the bottom. Exactly. So annoying. So yeah, so it's like if I you're a great person to connect to, but I probably would have missed. Yeah, you'd not go all the way to the bottom because I'm the same way. Like I probably go one page, two page, three. Okay, that's way too many people already. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. So it's not really making the use best yeah. use of my time on site to network, right? But with AI now and matchmaking like Brella or Grip, you can really input in who you want to connect with, and it would give you 20 people you should reach out to, and maybe even create content that you can just copy. And but don't do that. I'm just saying like, it could really help reduce the amount of time that it takes for you to find the right person and really get you to a point where you're like, yeah, I'm actually going to like talk to people that I really need to talk to you. Thanks I would- question though, prior to this reiteration of AI, how much the matchmaking that was marketed to us from other previous platforms was really AI generated or not? Yeah, I know. That's a great question, right? I question that all the time. Like I was at a conference where they have this program called one-on-one supplier vendor meeting with buyers. And I sat down with each of them and I thought to myself, this is great. They're great people with great titles and great companies, but the services that they were needing wasn't really what I could offer. And I felt- So you're wondering who made the matchmaking. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, did you really read what I could offer? And did you really- what they were looking for like this tinder of events is not working for me yes (laughs) swipe (laughs) yes swipe oh my gosh yes but I totally get that. And I've been to my own share of networking events. And like you said, I'm a curious person. I love meeting new people. I'm always up for like, let's talk and find out what you're passionate about, what I'm passionate about. But at the end of the day, I walk away sort of like empty handed because it hasn't necessarily been much of a meaningful connection from a business point of view to take it into, I don't know, partnership or something more, right? So yeah, we can have fun, but if it doesn't really turn into nothing what's the point after so many of those right 
Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the trend that I'm seeing with a lot of attendees now in order to make that purchase is that they really need a guarantee or at least a high probability that their investment into your program and attending your program is going to yield something for them. Yeah, something um, that works for them, that it's their interest. And the only way you can really find out is leveraging some of the technology that's available now. Like you can't say that you don't have it anymore. Before, maybe it would have taken a lot of manual work. Like you just said, you had to do all this data analysis. <laughs> for the event that you gave an example for. Yeah, and that touches on another point too that event planners are struggling with, especially on the client side is that, and I think I mentioned it earlier, is that like prior to the pandemic, event tech wasn't really a priority, right? It's not part of the budget. It was always venue, AV, food and beverage, marketing, promotion, attendee experiences, experiential marketing, but tech wasn't always part of that budget. So now we are guiding our clients to put a higher emphasis and a higher priority on spending money in event tech that has AI to really help elevate those experiences on site. And honestly, tech is not cheap anymore. I mean, now when you're paying for a mobile app, you could spend up to $15,000, right? Then that's yeah, and that's cheap. on the cheap side. Like, that's not on the cheap side, yeah. yeah. And then if you want to do a hybrid component, that's like $50,000, $75,000. So you need to be able to set the expectations with your executives at the very beginning of the program that says, these are the program goals. These are the objectives that I want to accomplish. These are the experiences that I want to have. Why? Because it would help yield a return on investment in converting attendees to customers. In order to do that more effectively, I'm going to need the budget to make that happen. And part of the priority is event tech. So we really need to equip planners and with the talking points to get that executive buy-in for them to approve the resources that you need to fully be able to execute it. I mean, we talk about it all the time that like, I want better experiences. I want people to really enjoy my program and really be immersed in in the product that I have or like walk away with memorable experiences. Well, you can't make that happen without yeah. the resources. And Absolutely. yeah, and so I want to emphasize that one of those resources is event tech. Yeah. So as we're coming to a close here, Wong, what unique opportunities do you see that AI presents? How do you foresee the future of the attendee event experience evolving with those opportunities that you might want to highlight? Absolutely. I think the one area that I see AI being developed more is data analysis. I mean, as event planners, especially in-house for our clients, is that they're inundated with a lot of data, right? I mean, you have all these names that registered for your program, 1,000, 2,000. But how do you really know for sure that these people are the right people for your company to buy your products? How do you nurture that relationship? And then if you are replicating this program for next year, how do you know what content to reproduce that is going to generate more retention? and getting more people to come. So a lot of data coming in. And so I would love to see AI have more models where we can provide our own set of data and that it analyzes our data and give us suggestions on what content to do, how much to price the tickets, who to market to, things like that. I mean, you're already seeing it now, but I would love to see a little bit more of that type of analytics where, you know, normally it would take me eight hours just to sit through and read through the surveys and read through all the data and reduce it to just even one or two hours, right? So I like to see that. And then the second thing is matchmaking. Because now, again, a lot of people want to make their trip worthwhile. So networking has a huge part of that element is networking pre-event, on-site and post-event. So it's not just when you're on site and you're creating this relationship, but how do you take that relationship to make it lasting longer post-event? And like, hey, are you going next year? I'm going, you know, I'll see you there. Let's sign up together. So like more buddy system. So basically coming up with ways that create longer lasting experiences through the matchmaking and the AI development of that. 
Yeah, and that unified data standard availability. Yeah, we're all looking forward towards where, you know, we can have it all in one place because I feel like right now is all over the place, but it doesn't necessarily talk to each other. <laughs> so it's hard to get your information and say that it's relevant to whatever it is that you're doing. So with all of that being said, I feel like that's been a quite an insightful conversation so far. And there's a lot of things that were mentioned that I would go back and just take note because, and I'll have a transcript to make it easy for search results. But when it comes to AI, it's obviously something that's going to stay. It's powerful. It's transformative. It's technology that we should take in consideration. And I have actually have had many conversations, especially with event professionals and women in business that are very much not ready to embrace it because of the learning barrier and the curve that it takes, right? But if you don't, then it won't be any easier later. Like if you don't stay in step with it now, now, it's not going to make it any easier later. So try to embrace it as you can now use it in the capacity, smaller capacity, but don't rely on it as a magic wand for sure. But being comfortable with embracing something that comes, especially at the rate and the speed that it has just the last nine months, it's going to make sure that you stay in touch with what's happening. So with all that being said, thank you again for sharing all your insightful tips, because in closing, I always like to touch on the mental and physical fitness of every event professional that I have conversations with because it's something that I'm passionate about. It's important if we want to be around for long and it should always be at the forefront of our mind, especially when we work long hours, like you Mm -hmm. said earlier. It's one of the most stressful jobs out there. We have to be able to manage our health, our mental and physical health in a way that we can keep doing what we do because we love what we do. So turning the question around to you, Juan, how do you maintain your mental and physical well-being considering demanding nature of the industry? And you've been around for a little bit to probably have gone through your own cycles of burnout. Yes. Absolutely. Oh my God. Many times I stay up late working or, you know, something goes wrong and it's like, dude, how could that have gone wrong? I've given you everything you needed. It's still messed up. What really helped me through the midnight struggles is going back to that passion, right? And, but then at the same time, I was thinking about it. What if you don't have passion? You know, what if this is just your job and you're trying to make a living? How do you navigate the event industry if you don't have that passion? And so one of the four or three things that I came up with is that like, if this is just, you know, you're nine to five and you're just doing it to get by, I would highly recommend having strong relationships with your colleagues, Mm -hmm. people that you can trust, that you can commiserate with, that you can Mm -hmm. share your burden with, you know, it's not just on you. Even if you're a one man team, create relationship in other departments that you can say, hey, like, I'm really struggling with this. Do you have any tips to forging strong relationships with your colleagues? And then if you do have a good team, just knowing that you're in the trenches with other people and you're not alone, that is really helpful for the mental health when you feel like you're not the only one on the train, you know? The second thing is finding a way to make an impact. Like, let's say you're working on a big program, take ownership of one element, whether it be registration or food and beverage or event tech or whatever, just say, this part is mine. I'm going to put my mark on it. I'm going to do the best that I can with this one thing and I'm going to be proud of it. So don't try to like do the whole thing. Just pick one thing. Champion one element. One element. Yeah. And then the last thing is expressing yourself clearly and setting expectations. It's important, especially as women in the event planning industry to not stay quiet when we feel in our gut 
something is not right. So expressing those opinions and finding ways to do it tactfully and respectfully and politically correct, but sharing your opinions about it. And then also coming to the table with your own ideas, right? If you're like, oh, you know what? We want to take a group of people out to go sightseeing and we're coming up with ideas. Well, research some of your own and come to the table and share. And if your idea got approved and selected, then all the power to you, right? Because you got heard, you were seen and you contributed to something beautiful. And then lastly is for mental health overall is to delegate because I know we want to do it all. I, you know, you don't trust people to do it for you. You got control issues, trust issues, whatever. Cause I got those issues too. So don't worry. Like I'm not throwing shade. We're all women in business. We know what that's like. Personalities. major control freak right here you're looking right at her number one person control freak uh, <laughs> issues i'm a major perfection issues and trust issues so learning to delegate has really helped me and there were moments in early on in my career where i'm like i got this i'm gonna do this rooming list i'm gonna do this project plan and time i can do it all by myself i got this and it took me longer than i wanted it to and i still did it myself and i was kicking myself for it because i just couldn't let go But then over time, as I grew more in wisdom and understanding that time, you can't get that back. You know what I mean? And that mental capacity could be better utilized in being strategic on the overall picture and the overall planning than to sit down in mundane work. So leveraging your teammates, leveraging newbies, like the new event coordinators that are coming, that are in the interns that are hungry for work, like give it to them, right? Teach them to do it. And I know sometimes a lot of barriers are, it takes me longer to teach them than to do it myself. Then maybe you need to create some processes. (laughs) Yeah. Well then, you know what? Like, yeah, create, come up with templates right and yeah the time that it takes for you to build a structure to hand it off to somebody i promise you is going to be shorter than it would be for you to do it yourself every time that would be the one thing is delegate and then strategic thinking take a moment get out of the weeds look beyond into the horizon remind yourself of where you're going you're not stuck here you're heading over there and to remind yourself of why where you're going and then lastly is team building like picking one or two people on your team to be like your work wife or your work husband that you can like hang out with all the time that you can share those struggles and grow together so that would be kind of my tips for mental health and physical wellness well i love that you touch on the mental health very well and those are incredible great tips but i want to hear a bit more about that physical fitness because oh, yeah. you're talking about bouldering and ice skating you got to tell us more about that oh <laughs> my gosh okay so physical fitness first of all if you're an event planner you have 10,000 steps you do a day at a program okay so yeah. that's done that's done deal <laughs> Check. and then during a site visit you know you travel all around the city walking like checking out five different venues check beyond that for me not that it would work for everybody because some people are moms and it's hard right take some time to just get away from your desk go on a walk stretch you know put your arms up breathe even breathing you don't have to stand up just breathe like yeah deep breaths in and out like that's you know or when you're in a meeting try to stand up have your computer propped up on a standing desk so you're not sitting all the time have you know very simple like you know those arm risks like arm thing that you carry that with you those are lightweight that you can carry you can squeeze squeeze, yeah You can squeeze that. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have time to make physical fitness in your life right now, 
I'll tell you the truth. It's going to get you later on. You have to make time. Your number one priority is your mental health and your physical fitness because events, they're always going to come around. Right, exactly. but your body is with you forever, like until you right. But it's with you, and you you have to live with it. And so, don't burn out for the events. The events are going to be there, but your family and you are, you know, this number one. It, yeah. it won't be there forever. And anymore. I feel like, from a physical point of view, like not everybody's passionate about, say, going into the gym, like no, I no. am, right? Yeah. But find something that you're passionate about. Like I love the fact that you started ice skating as something that you're passionate about. You want to teach yourself how to do it, and you've got a place you go to, and you got your ice skates, and you're just gonna go for it. Or bouldering. Yeah. Like yeah. obviously, not everybody's gonna be interested in like going and trying to boulder themselves onto the rock face like with their hands only but it's something that you're passionate about and it brings that spark in you like I get so accomplished when I deadlift or I hip trust like hundreds upon hundreds of pounds because when I do that then there's like nothing that can stop me that day <laughs> because I'm like girl I'm ready to run through a wall right yeah <laughs> I totally agree yeah there's like so much confidence that you build that you don't even realize and the strength that comes with that you know it's more than just physical strength is mental strength right like mm -hmm. it's interwined it's not just one thing and talking about steps like my steps because I just got a walking step under my desk like on uh -huh. this side before like 10 a.m I have 20,000 steps done I'm like no now I can just way. sit on my bar all day like literally I do my steps early in the morning when the kids are asleep and especially working from home if I'm not going you know out somewhere doing an event or out of town traveling but when I'm in my office like I struggle with especially on a busy day when you're in front of the computer like for hours upon hours like I struggled that would be 6 p.m and I had like 3,000 steps and I my limit is 20,000 and I'm like I have to have to like now I have to add hours on my day to do my steps right I'm yeah. like I need to get some type of a solution create a solution for this and for me it was this walking pad so okay. now like before the kids wake up I've got my steps in the bag yeah. you're working and you're walking and like yeah yeah well, it can even be a slow walk, right? Like it doesn't have to be speed walk. No, it's not like I'm running. No. <laughs> I think somebody was watching me on, I put on a story and she was like, oh my gosh, you're so coordinated. I'm like, dude, it's like 1.5. It's not going right. fast. It's not so hard. <laughs> This is I not 5.5 speed on a track. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. So smart. So smart. Having but it's just making up. the intention mm -hmm. of staying healthy, staying fit. Because like you said, it's an investment that you don't make into just today, but into your future. It's an ROI that you might not get right away right now, but you will get in the future one day or another. And let me tell you, if I work so hard now, I also want to play so hard later. So I want to have the energy and the capacity to do it well, that just means like taking care of this one body that I've got I don't have another one I don't have a spare one I don't know about you do you have a spare one I don't think so so there you have it well this Huang has been such a fantastic conversation thank you so much for sharing all your experience insightful tips all the tricks that you share so far for our audience that would like to connect with you where they can connect with you and I'll have some links in the episode notes but for anyone that's just listening maybe just saying it in a way that they can spell check it so it's easy to know awesome so where can our audience connect with you you can connect with me on linkedin dm me can you spell shiloh just so that our yeah, listeners that just tune into audio can hear that yeah it's s-h-i-l-o-h events and then Fabulous. my name h-u-o-n-g and you can go on linkedin and just put that in and i'll be the first one there waiting for you to connect with me <laughs>
That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Wang, for uh, joining me today. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode. And if you enjoyed our conversation with uh, Wang Nian, don't forget to subscribe to the Events Demystified podcast for more enlightening discussions that are coming up. And we are constantly exploring, growing, and innovating in the face of change. The power to create memorable event experiences, impactful events lies in our hands. And with the tools that were shared today, the possibilities are limitless. So stay tuned for our next episode as we continue to demystify the magic of AI for events. And until next time, this is your host, Anka Patanjifan, signing off. Stay fit, healthy, and keep innovating. Thank you, Wang. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate your time. And I'm just so honored and grateful to be able to talk about such an important topic for everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Events Demystified podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about Tree Fan Event Services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.